This is episode 18 with Jonathan Mead on Ancestral Health Radio. Learn to align your genetic makeup for peak health, fitness, and longevity with actionable how-to advice from today's leaders in nutrition, movement, and lifestyle. Join me, your host, James Kevin Broderick, as we bridge the divide between modern technology and our inherent ancestral wisdom. Let's take a walk on the wild side. Guys, today is special. Today's guest is a dear friend of mine, Jonathan Mead of Uncaged Human. Jonathan is a primal movement enthusiast and educator in Portland, Oregon. He and I are close friends and accountability partners, and today's episode is special not only because it has one of my favorite movement coaches online today, Hint Jonathan, but it also shares some of our philosophy on how and why we do what we do. I really hope this opens some eyes and ears and allows for both Jonathan and I to connect with you on a deeper, more intimate level. And, you know, just a side note, I had a really fun time recording this episode with Jonathan, and I also think it translated pretty damn well into today's show. So this is going to be a Mm, it's going to be part one of a two-part series of how to uncage a human. In today's episode, you'll learn the many pitfalls with over-specialization and perfectionism in your movement and lifestyle practice, how both Jonathan and I are approaching our businesses and how this will affect you, the listener, the many different views and philosophies shared by both Jonathan and myself, and so much more. Jonathan Mead is an irreverent pioneer, champion for human wildness, and professional instigator. He quit his job at age 23 after moonlighting on his own terms. Now, in his early 30s, he's passionate about helping domesticated humans reclaim their primal strength. He believes that you can take the man out of nature, but you can't take the nature out of man, and that no matter how many TPS reports you fed and fluorescent lighting we absorb, the wildness is always just underneath the surface. I love that philosophy. He also believes that unwavering community, undeniable bravery, and unapologetic wildness can not only change, but heal the world. His deepest mission is to instigate a worldwide movement of humans reconnecting with their true nature. Jonathan, welcome and thank you for joining us on another exciting episode of Ancestral Health Radio. Yeah, thanks for having me. I was thinking that what we do is, just for the audience, you kind of go into your background and explain exactly what it is that you do over there at Uncaged Human, and maybe the backstory behind that. Yeah, so really my my passion is to help primal humans thrive in the modern domesticated world, and specifically, I kind of specialize in the movement fitness aspect of that. I see it as a holistic lifestyle thing, but, um, my, my personal sort of, uh, gravitation is always toward the movement piece. It's something I've always been really obsessed with since an early age. And how I got started with this man is really, you know, how, how far back do we want to go? I guess that's, that's I mean, the real question. You know what, <clears throat> when did you really become passionate about movement? So, it definitely started, I think it started as a kid, you know, seeing my dad's uh, dumbbells and 
I was, you know, five or six years old and I wanted to be strong like him and I wanted, you know, to be, I remember wanting to get super buff because there was this kid on my bus that would always pick on me and I was like, (laughs) I'm going to get super strong and then I'm going to, you know, then he's going to be scared of me and I'm going to beat this guy up. (laughs) Um, but really I, I just, I wanted to be strong. I, I saw the strongman competitions. I don't know if you ever, the world's strongest men. Those guys Um, are huge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I watched that, then flipping the barrels over over behind their heads, over the walls, and I watched, you know, pro wrestling, and I, I thought guys like that were just so amazing, and I wanted to, I guess I just wanted to have, like, mastery over my body. I didn't, I didn't really know how to talk about it at the time, but that's, that's what I was uh, going for. And over time, you know, I... I got into various sports, you know, I, I did almost any sport you can think of as a kid in elementary, you know, junior high, high school, I did track, I did, you know, baseball, I did, uh, basketball, I did football, I did wrestling and somewhere along the way, I guess it wasn't until I became an adult, I found out that, you know, this sort of specialization was not really quite serving me and something was missing from it. So where I got obsessed with gymnastics strength training was my martial arts teacher at the time, Jeet Kune Do teacher would bring the gymnastic rings uh, to the park where we train. And after class, he would, you know, let people that wanted to play around on the gymnastic rings, try them out. And I was just shocked at how difficult these things were to use, you know, I thought, oh, no problem. I'm going to be able to, you know, push up and, and do all these things. And I realized they were, it was extremely hard, but I got really obsessed with mastering these things. So I kind of went on this quest to, you know, be able to do L sits and dips and, you know, push ups and, and, you know, muscle ups and these, these different movements on, on the rings. But the problem was I kept injuring myself Mm. and, you know, I, I injured my shoulder, I injured my elbows, I had all these things that kept flaring up, and I couldn't figure out what was wrong. So I started to just think about it, like, what's, what's going on here? And I started looking at my lifestyle, because I had been thinking about this with diet already. I was thinking like, you know, it's not enough to just take supplements, or it's not enough to just have a green smoothie, you have to think about what you eat all day. Mm-hmm. And I started thinking about this with, with movement too. What am I doing all day? What is, what am I doing with my body all day? And well, I was working at a day job where I was sitting, you know, nine, 10 hours a day and was basically static. And then I would try to do these super, you know, high tension, uh, strength training movements after not moving at all. And, you know, that led me down the path of mobility and then, eventually down the path of finding, you know, primal movement and realizing like, Oh, okay. What did we do originally in nature? Mm -hmm. We moved to have to eat and we moved just to live essentially. Um, but the problem is now we've outsourced movement. We've engineered movement out of our lives to where we don't have to move anymore. Um, so that's, that's kind of the long circuitous path of how I've I've gotten to this place and I think that's how a lot of people find, you know, the paleo diet or they find, you know, primal movement or whatever piece 
lifestyle piece of this big puzzle, you know, that we're me and you, James, are both trying to work on. Um, I think people find it through this like securitist path often, um, and it's not just this. Unfortunately, you know, this straight line to, oh, okay, primal movement, got it. At least it wasn't for me. You know, I'm I'm jealous of the people that just that just start there. Yeah, no, that's it's great for people that can just all of a sudden Google fitness and then somehow land up on on your page or or somebody else's page that that have been doing this for a while because for me just like you I had the same kind of mistakes you know I went the traditional like I'm gonna look in this bodybuilder magazine for information because I didn't know where else to go so you know you're following the traditional path and then whatever you take there you just because it's the only source or reference that you have for for your right. from your point of view that's kind of the the dogma or the perception or whatever it is that you build for yourself around that right. so for me it was my diet you know and um i saw the most benefit from my diet and then of course working in an environment where i was helping others with their nutritional needs working at mother's market with natural supplements that allowed me a lot of time and space to uh delve into those that type of material after of course experimenting with everything else under the sun so when I when I heard something like the caveman diet, you know, before it was called the paleo diet, it just was this instant kind of sound logic. You know, I was like, oh right. well, that why didn't how come I've never heard that before? <laughs> you right. know, that's that's weird. How come that I've never read that in one of these magazines? And yeah. then, you know, you try one of these, and then miraculously, um, it works extremely well. And then, of course, being a curious individual, you're going to say. Well, hell, this thing worked really well for my diet. How is it going to work for my fitness, right? And I feel like you and I, we're kind of the, um, we we entered this at the same time. And we're two of the same people on different sides of the road. You know, I ended up on the nutrition side. You ended up on the fitness side. And we're kind of meeting together online, which is really kind of cool, which we'll talk about a little bit later. I think we, we want to kind of talk about also uh, a little bit how we're we're running our online business because both Jonathan and I do have an online business and it's one of the ways that we're trying to find more freedom in our, our everyday lives to rewild or to gain more sovereignty with ancestral health. So how else, um, what, what exactly with mobility and more back on your practice, what, what are you doing exactly that, that you're using this uh, ancestral lens or this rewilding lens to, to other areas of your life? How exactly are you using that tool? Yeah, well, first of all, I want to give a big shout out and big credit to Katie Bowman, who had a huge influence on my perspective and the way I look at movement now and the totally. way that I the way that I approach it. And I I'm not sure if she's the one that coined movement diet, but that certainly was helpful for me to look at it kind of similar to the diet. Like, what is my movement diet? And you are you know, you are how you move. Um, what are you doing all throughout the day? So right now, my my focus, of course, I have a practice, um, you know, a movement practice where I'm focusing on specific things and I'm working on, you know, a lot of it right now is just honestly trying to keep my body healthy and rehabbing my body from a lot of the years of domestication. Totally. And I think that's something that doesn't get talked about a lot is we being domesticated and living this artificial lifestyle taken out of nature and, you know, sitting in chairs and, 
you know, playing sports, doing these highly specialized things, we end up with a lot of movement debt from not moving, you know, from the time that we've been stagnant. And then we also end up with these weird patterns and imbalances and compensations from doing highly specialized sports, whether they be, you know, uh, track or whether they be, you know, baseball or basket, whatever, whatever your thing is, even yoga, you know, is a great thing, but it's also a specialization. Um, so my, my focus these days is on rehabbing myself from, from those things, but not getting too, at the same time, not getting too caught up in that, because I think that can also become a trap where you get a little bit obsessed with healing yourself fully. At least I have healing myself to a degree where it's like you can obsess over everything and you'll, you'll never be, you know, I want to get my body to where it's perfect and then I'll move or I want to get my diet, you know, perfect. And then I'll start living my my life, you know, like, and that, that can be something that I easily fall into as well. So I'm doing a lot of mobility work, um, really trying to control the full range of motion of all of my joints, um, and making the focus, just connecting with my body, with my environment and letting that sort of guide me and letting myself be curious, um, and not chasing the skills so much as I used to. That was a, that was a big obsession for me for a lot of years, was chasing things like, you know, muscle ups or handstands or, you know, one arm push ups or what, whatever it is, these fancy things that look really cool on Instagram um, mm-hmm. or that make you feel kind of badass. And I, I love those things still. Um, don't get me wrong, but I think when you obsess with them a little bit too much, you can ignore just the health of your body and, and enjoying the process too, because you're always like judging yourself based on where you're not rather than enjoying where you are. So that's been a big focus of mine. It's like, what if I could just enjoy the feeling of having a body and moving and what if that could be enough? And maybe I'll get way more out of that than, you know, chasing skills and stuff like that. Totally. And you know, it's funny because I, I always reference my my family and specifically my mother's side because, you know, I watched a lot of my family go downhill as far as their health. And it was like one after another, I you know, I had an aunt or uncle pass away and it was due to these health or drug related illnesses uh, and I domesticated illnesses, I would say, yeah. because uh, for the most part, they're illnesses of our environment. So. Um, we have those evolutionary mismatches, which is something that we bring up on the show all the time. And um, for me, I always want to be able to move properly. And I've heard that mobility is essentially um, strength plus flexibility, right? Mobility, just for those who who aren't familiar, mobility, when we talk about that, are basic um, movement patterns. Like, can can you um, explain that better for people exactly what mobility and primal movement is? Yeah, so it's kind of confusing because you have flexibility of mobility and then some people even say functional mobility mm-hmm. um, just to really differentiate things. But you, you, pretty much, you pretty much got it right. Flexibility is 
can you, what, what kind of range of motion do you have in a passive way? So using something outside of your body, can you get in a certain position? Mm -hmm. So a good example for that is like the splits. If I can go into the splits, you know, just with my legs out on the floor, the floor is helping my body stay in that position because I'm resting on the floor. But if I'm doing the Van Dam thing where I have, you know, the two chairs on the side and my feet are on the chairs and I'm in the splits, that's mobility. Basically, I'm, I'm able to control that position with my own body without oh, relying was, on something external. That was a great analogy. So mobility, I think, is one of those things that's getting talked about more and more and more, but it's still kind of in this place where people don't know exactly how to do it. And people are still confused about it a little bit. And they think, you know, just doing arm circles and like, you know, foam rolling their back or whatever. Um, that's, that's mobility. And that's, that's kind of just moving yourself around a little bit. Um, and it's not quite mobility training. So mobility training shouldn't feel like a warm up and it should feel like work. So it's actively trying to control your body through it, through its full range of motion in each one of your joints. So one thing I do every morning, just to kind of ground this in, because it's kind of an abstract thing to think about every morning without exception, I take my joints through their full range of motion. Starting with my fingers, I make big circles with my thumbs, I make big circles with my fingers, I make big circles with my wrists, and I go through you know, my elbows, shoulders, scapula, spine, neck, hips, knees, uh, ankles, and toes. And when I'm doing these, you know, you could easily just do it and sort of like kind of go through the motions and check out and that will still be better than you doing nothing. But what I encourage people to do is really slow down and feel your joint through that full circle that you're making and try to make it smooth because you're going to notice that it's, there's some things that are choppy and some things that are not quite you know, right. And we can, we can post a video of, of my morning routine as well I'll for anyone that wants, yeah, sure. for anyone that wants to check it out. Cause I know it's, it's a, you know, you can kind of visualize it, but it's better if you're just seeing it obviously. Um, and this accomplishes a couple of things. So first of all, you are just kind of checking in with your body and seeing like, Oh, what's going on with my wrist? You know, what's going on with my elbows today? What's going on with my shoulder? And the second thing it does is it gives you more movement intelligence. And just it makes you a little bit more articulate with expressing your body. Because if you know what the full range of motion of your shoulder joint is, for instance, then you can figure out what areas are stuck you can work on strengthening those areas, opening them, expanding the range. Um, but if you're not going through the full range of motion, how do you really know what's going on and what you know needs attention? You're probably just going to, unfortunately, you know, do whatever your 
movement um, practices, or you might just be doing something just to have fun. And then you find out what's going on with it just by injuring it because you weren't really aware what was going on and where the sticking points were. So um, that's, that's practical mobility. And it's a, that practice is something I learned from FRC, uh, functional range conditioning. If you can attend a workshop from uh, Spina, Dr. Spina and Dewey, they're amazing uh, teachers. But you can also learn a lot of this stuff um, from YouTube and and videos and stuff as well. But that's that's one of the first places I recommend people start because, like we were saying, because of domestication, we're not we're not moving automatically. So we have to find ways to incorporate these things into our daily lives. And having just a morning ritual like that, I feel like is a way to kind of anchor it into your day and make it sort of automatic. And then after time, eventually, you know, I've been doing this for years and now I don't think about it. You know, I wake up and I just, my body just automatically starts doing this, um, without any sort of thought. And, um, it takes, it takes a little bit of time to get to that place, but that's the ultimate goal, right? Is to sort of create these habits that are compensating for what we're not doing being in nature. It takes a while and everybody is going to adapt differently. So give it patience and understand that, you know, at least how I view all of these practices that are new to me and the things that I'm going to be needing to learn in the future, I view them as kind of generational. Like, you know what? I may yeah. not even get all this in my lifetime, but I'm hoping down the line that my children or my children's children do. So, and that's something I really want to stress in this episode is that Jonathan and I, um, where we want to kind of take what we're doing because there's kind of two sides again of this coin when we talk about ancestral health or rewilding, there's some people who are just coming into it from, let's say, the paleo diet, or they're coming in from it from the movement scene, coming in from uh, having done karate when they were earlier and they were kids. And then there are some people that are into prepping, and they may have a lot of these primitive skills down. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of different spectrums people can come in at this. And right. what I'm trying to do, and what I believe Jonathan is trying to do is trying to create this medium, this, uh, again, I keep mentioning it, this transition culture where um, we're, we're creating or preparing ourselves for when we do want to uh, go further, if even necessary. Maybe, you know, Because I haven't right. gone and lived a hunter-gatherer life way personally, I'm not even sure if that is the full lifestyle that I want. However, as I'm continuing down this rabbit hole, I'm noticing that more and more things about my life are just fitting into place and it fits me uh, and my identity and, and my, my health needs um, more accurately. So the more I follow this rabbit hole, hole, the better it seems to be for me. But again, I haven't, I haven't gone all the way down, like right. let's say the hoop culture, right? I haven't gone, I'm not living you know, on this awesome migratory path um, with right. some, some horses and living off the land exclusively. I'm trying to maybe find that middle ground where I'm I'm homesteading and maybe I have a, a small garden. Maybe I don't have a garden and I am exclusively just hunting, gathering, and I'm, I'm actually living a way that is allowing me to support other people within the community that are doing those type of things. But, um, you know, there, there's a lot of aspects to this, and I, right. we're all just figuring it out. It evolves as we evolve. So 
Um, we right. want to talk about some of those practices also and what we're each doing with this knowledge that we're gathering. So I just want to say I love that you said generational because <laughs> I don't know how long you've been approaching it like that, man. But for me, I've I've just recently started to look at it that way. And it's been so healthy for me because <sighs> I'm sure like I I can just imagine so many of the listeners to Ancestral Health uh, see all these things and they listen to these podcasts and they're like, oh, cool, my mind was just expanded. Shit, here's another huge piece of the puzzle that I need to figure out. Like, I need to figure out this lighting thing now and I need to figure out this EMF thing and I need to figure out this water thing and now yeah. I need to figure out this foraging and like food preparation and movement and like quitting my job and like all, all this stuff. And it can feel just super overwhelming and it can kind of drive you insane. If you're anything like me, you get obsessed with things and you start taking action constantly, but it never quite feels like you're doing enough Oh my and gosh. You're, you're eating like all organic food and like herbs and you got all these supplements, but you're still like, I'm not eating like, you know, hunted game food, and like, yeah, I know I'm yeah. not getting my omega threes from wild salmon row. Right. You know, there are so, there's so much minutia out there too. And there's so many people to follow. Right. So the kind Absolutely. of my, my idea is that I'm bringing in the general op approaches of the experts. Like I'm the dude who's kind of like, Oh, I will go that extra mile. I will be the example and do that extreme thing that others won't so that you guys can determine whether or not you want to head down that path. So I will find the people that do the weird, crazy ancestral health things, and I will make sure that you get in contact with them. I want to be that super connector, that kind of person that hopefully you get that aha moment from one of these episodes and you're like, oh, I can just do that right now and add that to my practice and I get some serious benefit from it. So each one of these episodes I kind of take as a mini lesson or uh, its own aha moment, hopefully for you, because every time I interview somebody like Jonathan, somebody like Jack Cruz, you know, my head explodes. And I'm, I'm really excited to talk about things with Jonathan because I really feel we're on the same level with things. So we're, we're coming at it from the same perspective and the same approach. So it's really refreshing to kind of talk to somebody because we understand that this community is relatively small. You know, there's not too many people that you can listen to or tune into or, or right. read or whatever. That, that has this material. So, yeah. And depending on where you live, it, there might not be hardly anyone that you can talk about the, with this stuff in, you know, in real life and really, you know, they really get it. So it is, it is challenging. And I just think it's so important to go easy on yourself and to take that mindset that this is a process and it's going to be unfolding. And the more, you focus on the process rather than the outcome and the goal. You know, maybe your goal is total food sovereignty. You know, you're hunting and gathering like 100%, whatever your goal is. You could easily feel bad about yourself the whole time until you get to that goal. But then guess what? You get to that goal and you're still <laughs> this person that's practiced being really shitty to yourself the whole time. So then you got to deal with that and it's just it's just like you might as well really just see this as it's a path and the way i like to look at it is like what is the trajectory that i'm on mm -hmm. and as long as that trajectory is continually moving me more and more in that direction you know 
that's that's great but i'm not going to obsess over all of the little details you know taking an emf reader around my entire house and like you know telling my wife like hey by the way i just figured this out the power lines blah blah we need to move out of the city <laughs> you know like I mean, um, however, if that's your thing and you're looking yeah, to do no, that, totally. please, it, please. I mean, I, I'm all about that. Yeah, it, yeah it, do you. It, it's do you totally a, a, a step-by-step process, guys. And that's what this, this is. It's, it's really kind of, I hope it's a pick and play your own adventure. So I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, from one of these episodes or from one of Jonathan's blog posts that you can get something that you can just apply and, and make sure that, that it's something that you can regularly check in with yourself. You know, it all starts one step at a time. So right. I remember, again, I remember I started with my, my health. It's taken me, so think about it this way. It, just for this podcast, it's taken me four years just to start this podcast. It's right. not like I just decided to throw this thing together. It's been four years in the making. Me to where I am with my health, just w- with my knowledge and where I am with, with health in general, has taken me like 10 years, guys. If you're just now listening to this and just now getting these concepts about ancestral health, don't beat yourself up. Don't shame yourself. Just connect yourself with a member of the community and let's get cracking. You know, let's, right. let's, let's work together and really uh, build a community that is strong and knowledgeable and supports one another. Because I see that we can, we can get divided sometimes whether or not we should be, you know, consuming sourdough bread or if, <laughs> right. you know, um, um, we should right. be selling an online product, for example. You know, there's, there's some things right. that... We're still trying to find balance, but again, it's all about sovereignty and creating more freedom in your life. And I think that's really what Jonathan and I are stressing is this path offers more freedom and our vehicles for doing that for you is, is, uh, a through a blog and B through a podcast, which, which I'm sure we can talk about later offers us freedom to do more of the things that we want to do for you. So back to some of the, the lifestyle things that, that we do. Yeah. Jonathan, take it away. What, what are some of the things that you've noticed that have made some of the biggest impacts for you aside from your movement practice that have made right. a big difference? So I'm a big fan of taking back control of your environment and the impact that your environment has on you because we can create all the habits in the world and we can, you know, sort of like create a a new way of of living with stacking all these all these different habits but an easier way to go about it i think is to change your environment so a lot of these things happen automatically Mm. and to to sort of ground this into the movement piece you know two of the biggest movements because it's it's easier for us you know of course movement's such a big thing and there's so many different movements we'd be doing in the wild but to make it simple for us to wrap our brains around, it's helpful to look at kind of what are the biggest movements we might be deficient in as you know domesticated humans. And two of the biggest are definitely squatting mm-hmm. and hanging. Now, I could try to go the habit approach, and I think that's fine, and I think it's good to have practices where you're actively sort of working on these things and and really being present to it and maybe working on some mobility stuff that's awesome but ultimately we want to be doing this stuff frequently throughout the day so a couple things you can do in your environment are 
get a pull a pull up bar, you know, in a doorway, right? If you don't have something to hang from, you're not going to hang. But if you have something that you walk through and you see every time you go through your doorway, you're going to use a lot more often. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of the ways you can change your environment to make it more primal friendly. You know, I like to think about this with my apartment. How can I make it more friendly to me as a primate um, from a movement perspective? Mm-hmm. Having places to hang and things to, you know, move my body with is is one of those aspects. Another is, you know, have somewhere to sit on the floor in your house. This is a huge one. You don't have to get rid of your furniture. You know, that could cause some problems in your relationship. Um, <laughs> or, or maybe not. You know, maybe maybe your your partner or whatever is totally on board. Or maybe you live by yourself and doesn't doesn't matter. But have, start with at least somewhere for you to sit on the floor. So get a yoga mat and put it out somewhere and just let that be there all the time. I also like to have a couple of yoga blocks um, that I sit on to that give me a some different options. But essentially, if you're sitting on the floor, you're going to probably be more likely to squat more often. So you're going to get that squatting missing nutrient that we we're talking about. Um, but you're going to get so many different other, you know, we could call them micronutrients uh, mm-hmm. for your hips just by continually changing your seating position, right? So I could sit in a half kneel position. I could sit in a straddle position. I could sit in, you know, cross-legged position. There's so many di- different ways I could sit on the floor that are really not very easy or convenient if I'm sitting on a chair or a couch 100% of the time. So think about taking back control of your environment because that's going to do a lot of the work for you. Rather than, you know, you have chairs all around you and you're thinking about like, oh, I need to get out of the chair and, you know, do this thing. If the chair disappears, you're automatically doing that. Yeah, you're automatically going to do it. So there's there are ways we can make this easier on ourselves. And I think that's a, a big part of it. And I'd be I'd be curious to hear you know, your perspective on the environment piece, because I don't think that's something we've actually talked about a whole lot. Just to kind of speak to what you said about having a space to get up and down off of the ground, that's something that we fully have integrated now at our apartment is, as a matter of fact, just last night we purchased a rug, which is like, it's huge. It's like 12 by 8, and it's just this thick wool oriental rug, and we just have a small, like, um, squat table right there in the center of it. And that's nice. it. We like, we just, we do everything there. We pretty much turned our one. So I lived in a one bedroom apartment. I turned our one bedroom into kind of like a workout area. And then our front living room is just open space with like foam rollers, pads, bolsters, and pillows and that table. And then I have in the corner, which you guys can't see is my little stand up desk, which I fashioned out of like Ikea furniture. So really, really cheap, really inexpensive, but I kind of have this motto that upcoming guests and I are going to talk about more in depth, but is, is minimalism. And it's just something that is really helped me kind of identify what is important in my life. And really when you, when you start focusing on these lifestyle habits and these environmental hacks, quote unquote, 
and if you think about it, they're not really hacks. There's a lot of people around the world that don't don't have furniture and are constantly getting up and right. off the ground all it's the time. It's just called life. Yeah, and you know, it's it's no big deal to them. It's just very uncommon for people in Western culture. So it's funny having people over here at my house, and you know, they're just forced into an environment where they you can see the tension, you know, in their body getting up and down, and like, oh wow, I didn't I forgot how hard this was. I haven't had to get in right. some of these positions, you know, <laughs> since kindergarten. Right. So it's it's interesting, but um, I do as many of these. Th- Fortunately, like Jonathan said, uh, he's married. I am not. Um, you both of you and your partner or whoever you're living with has to be, you know, obviously on board with this unless you have the luxury of doing this. And I'm fortunate enough to have a partner that is so amazingly supportive. She sees the value in everything that we do just as much as I do. So it's like, I, you know, I say something like, oh, guess what I learned today? She's like, let's do it, you know? So nice. even more so uh, than removing the, she wanted to remove the couch more than anything. So we, wow. fi- yeah, so she, we got rid of the couch. It was just a tiny little love seat anyway, but got rid of that. And now we're fully furniture free and we just live on the ground pretty much. But uh, again, there's a lot of little things that we do, which is creating space and time for these for these things, because I understand if you're if you're a parent or or you you have a second job or something like that, some of these things might seem really hard to fit into your day. But it's again priorities, you know. Um, having right. less things, you know, less clutter in my life, and and really adopting that minimalism attitude, um, I have more time and more energy to and money to um, put towards the things that are more important to me. Which number one is my health. I view my health as my number one priority above all else. So um, we have a large uh, spending budget for groceries, for example. And then uh, we don't really put any budget on reading material. So if there's reading material that we like, we just kind of buy it. It's not a big deal. And then um, fitness, you know, we, we place a high price on fitness too. But we get most of that right now. That's something, that's a piece that I'm working on. I might have got a little crazy and, and done what a lot of people probably do and spend a lot of money on fitness equipment. I bought a rack and, you know, a kettlebell right. <laughs> you know, and some rings and stuff. So yeah. uh, something that you can basically be brought with me anywhere aside from the rack, essentially, you know, but um, these that, things that would be funny if you if you carried the rack or you just like just on my back, like <laughs> Atlas, you know, yeah. no big no. deal. Yeah, I'm hoping the rack is going to get me those quads that are <laughs> hold on, guys, let me set this up. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Be like 30 minutes <laughs> hold on in the middle of the forest yeah but uh yeah so it's just you know it's a lot of these these little things and and if you've never heard of them you know we we want to speak about them um, we don't want to speak only to uh, primitive skills or technology and then again we don't only want to speak to the paleo or movement crowd we want to fit somewhere in the middle you know we want to have this overall general approach to ancestral health isn't that right Jonathan yeah and I see it as sort of like how can we because we're taking that general generational and transitional approach how can we make our modern lifestyles as healthy as possible and you know that's going to involve some habit hacks if you want to call it that that it's going to involve some you know environmental tweaks and changes um it's going to involve some mindset uh changes and changes in perspective you know one of the biggest for me was looking at my my movement just the same way as as my diet and I am how I move all day so 
perspectives and mindset are, are, are big things, but I think it's, it's cool for us to talk about a lot of these things that we're actually doing because, um, I think it validates where a lot of people are at and, you know, cause most people aren't living in the wild and most people aren't, you know, even homesteading or, or, or things like that. Most people are shopping at supermarkets and, you know, working at jobs and wanting to do this movement and health and fitness stuff and trying to figure out how can I fit this into my life where, it, where it's at, how can this stuff meet me where I am yep. right now? And I love that we're talking about these things because, you know, some of the things, you know, like the, you know, sitting on the floor after a while, it becomes obvious to you, right? Or it becomes not, not obvious, but it becomes like, I guess obvious. It becomes something you don't think about anymore because it's so integrated. And when people are asking you like, how can I, you might not even remember to, to talk about that because it's, it's normal for you. And, you know, I think there's, I think there's a lot of value in just hearing how, how are people handling this stuff in a day-to-day real way? Um, and that might mean, you know, putting a yoga mat on your floor. It might mean getting a pull-up bar. It might mean, you know, starting with going for a a walk every day. It could, it could look different for you based on, um, where you're at. Yeah. Based on your situation. And that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what we're getting at here is that everybody on this journey comes in on different avenues. We're all, we're all on the kind of the same journey. We're just on different streets and, um, we're just taking different on ramps. So, and off ramps too, by the way, like, again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, there are some people who want to go all the way full bore and we could paint a picture of that for you, you know, where they're, they're literally hunting, forging off of the landscape and on a migrational pattern somewhere in their local bioregion off of land that they own or maybe land that they don't own and they're illegally doing some of these things. But, um, you know, it, it, all the way to the person that again is just coming in from being sick fat and tired and they just need some relief, you know, and they, they hear that their best friend is doing the paleo diet. They do a 30 day challenge and they, they get like this huge benefit from it. And so we're trying to marry those two worlds together. And it's great that there, there are some people doing that already that, that I think you and I follow too online, like uh, our buddy, Daniel Vitalis. I think he's a, a wealth of information and, um, Arthur Haynes, for example, in his human rewilding project that he has going on there in Maine, which is really exciting. And I'm, I'm always excited to learn from him. And, um, again, people like Jonathan and myself who are more, um, we're more here in suburbia. I feel like we're more here in the front right. lines as far as where, you know, I don't know what the percentage yeah. is. I want to throw out like a 90%, 80% there, but um, that's where I where feel do, Where like. do you, you live in, in the Bay Area? So I live in the Bay Area in, in What San is your Jose. immediate environment like? Like when you look out, is it a lot of apartments? And- so it's a lot of, so if I look out, it's apartments. And then behind those apartments is just a, a neighborhood with a school and a, a right. typical suburban type area, you know? Yeah. Same here. So I'm in the same situation. I live in I live in Portland, and when I look outside, apartments, houses, there's a school nearby me. So we're coming at it from this like, how can I live a wildlife in the city? Um, and maybe eventually I might want to get to this place of 
you know, owning some land or something. But mm-hmm. I think part of why we wanted to have this conversation, um, and maybe this would be a good sort of transition into this into this piece of it because it's it's a very interesting topic that it isn't talked about a lot in the rewilding space and community. At least I don't see it talked about. But if you want to live a very a very wild lifestyle these days and do it, you know, legally, you have to get some land, right? Mm-hmm. Or know someone with some land. In order to do that, you have to play the game in the matrix, right? Totally. In, in the capitalist system to get to that point. So it's like we're sort of in this interesting tension of like, how can I play the game just enough to sort of get some sovereignty and extract myself from the game, from the system? And that's why we're looking at it from like, how can I do this stuff as much as possible now, but be moving in that direction? And I think, I don't know why it is, but it's not, it's it's really interesting. I'm not sure why it is, but that piece of, you know, working toward getting land or working to maybe quit your job and work for yourself in a way that has more autonomy, more freedom, um, following your purpose, doing something you're really passionate about. I think those are huge parts of rewilding that for some reason I just don't see talked about. And it's if you a don't hard have subject to yeah. talk about, it's just a hard, difficult, complex subject to talk about, especially super, like yeah, when we were talking about people are divided on that because on one hand you have people who, who believe you should detach yourself from supporting that type of system and living this type of sovereign lifestyle that we're talking about, which is very anarchist and, and, um, and you know, I, and I'm starting to feel more like I fit into that group, but again, I still have my foot like, okay, I live in one of the most expensive cities in the United States. Like it is ridiculously expensive to have this one bedroom apartment here. And if it weren't for my, my, my partner who is a teacher and my salary as a shipping receiving manager, I, we would not be able to live here at all. And, and I wouldn't be able to produce these type of podcasts for you. So we're Jonathan and I are really stuck between this kind of like, how do we create something for you? Do it in an honorable and respectful way that that um, supports the community and doesn't make us seem like uh, uh, I don't know we're we're playing sellouts or so, yeah are, I don't know how trying, else to, trying to manipulate yeah because that's that's profit not it. off of, of yeah. rewilding or yeah yeah we don't want to play the puppet show you know what I mean we're not into that we're we're into trying to create more sovereignty and more more freedom for other people so that they can find their own true path within rewilding too. So what else do you have to say about that exactly? Where, what's your stance on that? Yeah, How have so you, you taken that? You were, you were talking about, you know, there's people in this, um, this camp on the one extreme of, you know, anti-civilization and anarchy and, you know, maybe hoop culture and, and things like that. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think that's a perfectly valid Absolutely. way they go if that's if that's what you want to do as long as you don't try to make that a dogma that you push on other people i that's when i start to have a problem with it um but then on the other side you have sort of the people in the like the paleo community and you know maybe maybe we're somewhere in the middle but these people in the paleo community they're trying to do the biohacks and the things to try to you know 
live this lifestyle, but they have no interest in leaving the city or, you know, doing, they want to do their move, not workout in a gym and they don't really care so much about, you know, um, being in wild spaces. That's good enough for them. And you have these, the, I feel like the people in that side, they are, you know, they're kind of fine working at a job and, you know, just doing their thing. Um, they're not super as interested or motivated in figuring a way out of that system to, you know, create something else. Mm -hmm. But there's this place in the middle, right, where you can work to do something that you're more passionate about, create freedom on your own terms, you know, doing work on your own terms, um, trying to create financial freedom for yourself so you have more options as far as what you're able to do within this system, whether that be, you know, having more free time or buying land or something like that. Um, that's a sort of middle path. And that's the kind of approach that I'm taking. That's a, again, generational long-term game. Uh, I don't know when that is going to happen for me. Um, it might be in the next five years, it might be 10, 15, 20 years. I don't know, but that's sort of the trajectory I'm going is toward creating more freedom, sovereignty for myself financially um, and in the food I procure. Uh, but I know that it's going to be a process. And in the meantime, I'm going to try to create as much health and happiness as I can in the system. With what you have. You know, with what I have and not have, you know, for a long time, I used to just be pissed off all, all the time about the system and blah, blah, blah. It sucks. I didn't choose this. Domestication so messed up. And all those things are so valid. But at some point, you have to just be like, just shut up. And <laughs> just, just like at least that's what I tell my – just like shut up and do something because yep. you know all that stuff is true and you can easily get caught up in this like – you know, woe is me and domestication is so horrible. And that's completely valid. Like that's the thing about it. That's yeah, so seductive. Both Jonathan and I feel that way. Like I, I feel yeah. exactly like just, it's just like Neo waking up from the matrix. Like, Oh my God, I've right. been in this system. My whole, I've been, I was bred into this. Like, I cannot believe, I feel like you feel like some of your freedom has literally been taken away after learning. It's, it's hard to explain because it is so much akin to that movie, The Matrix, that it's it's one of my all-time favorite movies. Probably my all-time favorite movie, as a matter of fact. And it's just like when Neo is get, gets picked up from that swamp, you know, for the first time after being evacuated from that pool that was like an umbilical right. cord. Plug pulled on him. Yeah, right. And then right. when he wakes up for the first time, he's like, oh, my God, my eyes hurt. And Neo says, yeah, it's because it's the first time you've ever used him. You know, it's the first right. time you've ever seen. So... I yeah. always, I'm the deeper I go in this rabbit hole, that's the the more and more yeah. I feel like I don't know. But again, generational and yeah, what? How are you creating more freedom then with this? Like, I notice that online in general, regardless of whether you're working a regular, typical blue collar or white collar job, um, working online in the type of space that we're doing online marketing and and things like that it's, it's still a gray area. Like they don't teach that type of thing in school. It's, it's oh, more no. like online Absolutely. certifications taught by people who taught themselves. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately we don't have anything in our schooling for helping you 
learn how to thrive in this capitalist system. And we don't have anything that, that teaches you how to figure out like what you're passionate about or what your strengths are, or what your gifts are. Um, and I think that's, that's a big piece of this. And that was what I had to figure out and what you had to figure out is like, what do I really care about? What am I naturally sort of good at? And where's the gap in the world where I can, you know, fill a, a deep pain or help with a deep desire in the world. And that's your opportunity, I think, to create more freedom for yourself. You know, if you can create an offering to the world based on those three things, I think you can have a good chance of being successful at it, especially if you are patient, you're persistent, you work hard. Um, it, there's so much possibility on the internet these days. Yeah. And I think it's just, it's just a funny thing. You know, we're t on the internet talking about rewilding right now. And it's ironic, um, you know, <laughs> and then when we're talking about the internet as a way to get free of, you know, the system and the internet. So, uh, it's this weird, it's, it's really, honestly, it's kind of comedic. It, it uh, is it's hilarious. Um, so I, I think seeing the comedy in that is, is kind of helpful. It takes, sort of the edge off of how ridiculous the whole the whole thing is but that's that's been my approach is trying to figure that out and that's what's led me to you know primal movement and really helping people uh rewild their bodies and become more resilient more adaptable in their bodies more capable of doing the things that they love and the things that they want to do and you know just being able to move with freedom and confidence that's something I'm I'm super interested in and it's it's a journey for me and i'm asking people to hey come along and you know come on this journey with me if you want to be able to have more control over your body and your you know your range of motion and feel resilient and um capable of handling challenges that come up for you like i don't know everything but i figured some stuff out um and, you know, maybe I can, maybe I can show you some things. Maybe I can teach you some things and maybe I can build a community around that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I can create a tribe around primal movement and helping people reclaim their primal fitness. Um, so that's, that's the way I, I think about it. That's my approach. And that's what I'm doing to work toward creating more freedom for myself. Um, and yeah, it's, it's going pretty well so far. You know, I have a, a training program online that I've created mm -hmm. that people are getting good results from. I also take, you know, private clients in person here in Portland. Um, so there's a number of different sort of income streams for it. Um, but it's, it's just a, like you're anything, like we're love. saying. Yeah. I mean, but you're doing what you love. That's the thing. Yeah. And, and I think it's a lot more relatable too when when you when you take that kind of approach also. And one of the reasons why I want to make sure that anytime I'm interviewed or anytime that I do an interview, that I reinforce that statement that, you know, we're not gurus here. You know, if anything, we're like Sherpas, we're a couple steps ahead without no. out, outreached hand. You know, we just want to help you just a couple steps ahead because that's where we were. And it's, it's so much more relatable too, because we're all on that path. Like who is an expert anyway, you know, who gave that title to that person anyway. And really, uh, in our own regards, we're all an expert in something, right. 
So there's really, a, there's a quote, um, yeah. that I love, just sorry to interrupt you, no, but please. there's a quote that I love by Dr. Spina, the creator of FRC, um, that I mentioned earlier in the episode. And he says, I'm not a guru. And if anyone could be a guru, it's, it's Spina, you know, this guy's a this PhD guy's ridiculous and smart. You know, he's, yeah. he's, he's super legit. Um, but he, I love, I love that he always says this in his workshops. I'm not a guru. A guru is when someone exceed or when someone's bullshit exceeds their ability to explain things with science. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, and I, I feel exactly the same way as you, man. Like I hate it when people introduce me and they're like, this is the expert on primal or Jonathan's a guru on like, mm-hmm. no, absolutely. You know how little we know about the body, like mm-hmm. period still right now. Like it's insane. Like we know nothing. So yeah. <laughs> even the experts know nothing. So we might as well be humble. And like, I'd rather be honest with you and tell you like, look, you know, I know some stuff that works. I don't know how to explain a lot of it, but Hey, you know, come along and, and try it for yourself and see what works for you. And if it does, that's awesome. Um, maybe Jonathan, I know this is kind of stretching on, but I, I feel like we're kind of on a flow and we might as well just continue it. So, yeah. um, maybe we, we kind of share our vision for what we, what we see for each other, obviously for yourself and for myself. Where do you want to take this whole rewilding and ancestral thing? Hey guys, that about wraps up today's episode. This is part one in a two-part series. And remember, I'm James, the Hairless Ape Broderick, along with my good friend, Jonathan Mead, signing out from Ancestral Health Radio. And remember, until next time, take a walk on the wild side. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Ancestral Health Radio. If you like the podcast, then do me a quick favor and head over to iTunes to leave an honest rating or review of the show. This helps improve the show's ranking and visibility with other would-be hunter-gatherer gardeners just like yourself. But if you can't do that, I'll totally understand. We're still cool. But maybe you could share this episode on your favorite social media network or at the very least, continue the conversation with myself and the tribe on the official Ancestral Health Radio Facebook page. But whatever you do, remember to check out all the resources mentioned earlier in this episode by reading the show notes at AncestralHealthRadio.com.